welcome to a very, very special edition of the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and your Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent from The Athletic, Tim Spears. Hi, Tim. What's going on, Jackie? How's your life? Been out clubbing since I saw you last week? Yeah, Wining, dining, that kind of thing. Yeah. Stumbled in at three in the morning, kebab in one hand, bottle of Bex in the <laughs> other, you know. Uh, do you know, I haven't actually had a drink since, um, since this started. I'm trying to... That's not true. Honestly, it is. It is. I've got a bottle yeah, of Malbec. But nobody believes you. You do know that. There's a bottle of Malbec in the cupboard. It's untouched. Um, I don't. Drinking alone, I don't know. It's a step too far, I think, at the moment. Is this? And um, but yeah, I'm a bit worried about the first night out when all this is over. Because oh my goodness. Yeah, a couple of sips and I'll be well on my way. <laughs> I'm very impressed with that kind of deal. What about exercise? You're getting out once a day to cycle once a day yeah doing a bit of moving <laughs> yeah couple, couple of videos you know just uh, jumping around the living room and all that stuff you're not doing joe wicks with us at nine till nine thirty. the pe lesson isn't, isn't that for children though no man well it is in theory but no i mean you, you kind of do bunny hops and stuff to try and get them moving but okay. no, adults doing it they got me doing it absolutely first half hour of the day sorted yeah get your apple watch moving get it off zero okay. <laughs> and then sit down for the rest of the day but but i think i think the nation, the world, mm-hmm. or the wolf supporting yeah. world wants to know, have you managed to locate a toilet roll in the Stafford area in the past seven days after going to 11 oh different establishments without finding them? Okay, so yeah, yeah. if people didn't listen last week, I, I went to 11 shops last Sunday morning to try and find some toilet roll and each shop was empty. Okay, so after, after mentioning this on the podcast last week, right, later that day, or I think it was that night... And I discovered it the next morning. Somebody left a toilet roll outside my door. Okay. What? A solitary toilet roll that had written in marker pen, looking for me, question mark. Okay. Brilliant. Fantastic. Someone's, someone's really done me a favor there. Brilliant. But I don't know who it is. N- nobody's owned up. It's, but do you know um, your neighbours? Are there any no. wolves supporting neighbours that you know of? I think there might be a couple of Wolves fans in this block. I'm in like an apartment block. It's all gated off. There have been a couple of like knowing glances when I've walked past people before, but I don't. So, but I don't know anybody. No, I don't know anybody. Is, really? is the answer? Not and many people gated, know I live here. So it's probably not Nathan Judah from your old hunting ground. <laughs> no, he's not allowed not. to see you. Yeah, exactly. It's bizarre. There's no numbers on the doors here. It's very strange. I can only conclude, Jackie, that because nobody's owned up, that it was the toilet roll fairy. And um, <laughs> this is brilliant. Anyway. I love this. If 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 the toilet roll fairy is listening to this pod who seemed to have been listening he or she last week could you give tim another toilet roll this week and write ah. i am the toilet well. roll fairy on it please write that <laughs> see uh i um i had a little brainwave stafford service station on the m6 is not too far from me so i had a little drive out earlier in the week and they've got a big spa there and lo and behold i walked in and there's the shelf a pack of nine Toilet rolls. You know, you know, in Pulp Fiction, when John Travolta opens the suitcase and like the light just kind of emanates from the suitcase. It was sort of like that, really, but with toilet roll. I fell asleep during Pulp Fiction when I was at university, which is oh, how Jackie long Oatley. it was. I've never seen it in full. Oh, that's lost on you. Wasted. No, my housemates just totally disowned me. How embarrassing is that? Anyway, gosh, well, do you know what? We've got the most exciting pod to look forward to. It's kind of a captain special because we have got the mighty Connor Cody coming on in just a moment. And then afterwards, we're going to have Anna Price, the captain of the Wolves women team, who they've just had their season null and voided, haven't they? It's, it's just ended. And there is a campaign starting to try to get the stats reinstated because they were on the brink of promotion and it is frankly awful that they're going to have to do it all again but we will talk about that in detail at the end of the pod um before we hear from Connor Cody Tim just give us an update as to what's been going on Wolves wise in the last week about we've heard a lot of Premier League clubs taking pay cuts what's the situation with Wolves yeah not a huge amount of news obviously as people will know over the last week but um the message from the club is that they're not going to ask the players to take a pay cut. I think this is something that's going to become far more prominent in the next few weeks. It'll be, a, I think, it'll be a bit of a domino effect, really, as as more clubs do it, more clubs will 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 agree to do it. We've seen Juventus, Barcelona, and others do it. I think I think it will happen in the Premier League soon, but at the moment there are no plans for that. And yeah, as I said, news is pretty scarce, but there was some positive news last week, which was great to hear from Raúl Jiménez who did a little Facebook Live um, in Spanish 
to his many million adoring Mexico fans and he was asked about kind of his future at Wolves and how he sees things going in the next few years and he said uh, basically said that Wolves don't have to qualify for the Champions League for him to want to stay at the club you know his <clears throat> his future at Molyneux isn't dependent on there being Champions League football at, at Molyneux which is great to hear he says he's very happy at the club you know and we know he is and I speak to people there who say he's pretty much happier than anybody you know with the with his living situation in Wolverhampton with his partner they're expecting new baby of course and He's just sort of he's loving life really. So um so yeah, good to hear. Hopefully he can uh, he can stick around for a few more years to come. That's good news for now. Uh, now, every week at the beginning of our podcast, Tim, we always say about how enthusiastic we are about it and our little messages to each other throughout the week. We get very excited, don't we, when we have ideas for guests and yes, we yes, say, we That's a good idea. Oh, let's get him on, let's get let's get so and so on and we go That'd be brilliant. That's a good idea. Let's do that. Well, this week, this was entirely your idea and entirely your contact who you have honed over the years and and got to know, frankly, because he's a top, top bloke, isn't he? Um, And he's somebody you would want to have as the skipper of your club, both as a fan and also as a football reporter. And you've spoken many times, Tim, about how this man has made your life easier post-match when you can Mm. rely on him for interviews. Isn't that right? Yeah, he's... uh... As as everybody says and sees, he's the ultimate ambassador for Wolverhampton Wanderers and a, a godsend to just about everybody, really, Mr Connor Cody. Here he is. Hi, Connor. Hello, Jackie. OK? Well, thank you. How is lockdown life treating you? <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it, it, it's quite nice being at home, I'll be honest with you, because we don't we don't spend much time here and the kids are happy having me having me home. But I don't know if I can say that about the missus as well, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's been quite good to spend a bit of time with the kids. Don't get me wrong, I'm... I'm missing the game more than anybody, but it has been quite nice to spend some time with the kids and the, and the missus at home, yeah. I bet. Are you having to get involved in homeschooling at all? Are you doing Joe Wicks live at nine o'clock like the rest of us and then trying to get everything. to concentrate? Everything. Or are they a bit little? <laughs> no, no, everything, everything. Me, me little man, so I've got me, me little man's in reception, so we, we, we do it every single morning. We've done it since last Monday, every single day. And it's, <laughs> I think it's just something just to pass a bit of time as well as something obviously good and healthy for the for the kids as well my little man loves it he comes and wakes me up in the morning and asks if we're doing it so he was a little bit gutted over the weekend that we couldn't so we're back on it this morning and and it's good for everyone yeah oh bless it's brilliant 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 stuff and so how does it how does it work for you because you've obviously still got work to do even though you're at Mm. home and you know we spoke to um, Matt Wilde, the head of admin, last week, and he was saying the players have been given equipment if they'd needed it, etc. How does it work from that kind of structural fitness point of view for you? Do you know why? It, it, it's been good. It's it's very similar to the summer. Our, our staff at football are absolutely amazing for us. I think the things they give us and the way they set it up and their organisation and, and the preparation in terms of everything has been fantastic. So it's something where, especially... When it happened and when we first started being at home, I think me and my wife said, me and Amy said that we needed a bit of routine to, to obviously help the day go by and we'll take it a day at a time. And that's what we've kind of done in my own household. I don't know what anybody else is like, but that's what we've kind of done here where we get up in the morning, we obviously do the, the Joe Wicks and do a little bit of homeschooling with my little man that, that passes a, few, a couple of hours and a few hours by. And then I always make sure then I go in the gym and, and do my run and uh, make sure we do everything proper because we, we have watches, the club give us watches to stick to and they're hard, believe me, they're, they're really, really hard, but we're sticking to them and it's something that really helps us when we come to go back. So it's, it's been good up to now, it has, it's been okay. I'd imagine um, it must be strange. I know it's the same for everybody, it's all like an unprecedented situation for all of us, but footballers, like, you're so guided by the fixture list and the next game and, you know, even in June, it's all about building up to the next kind of pre-season, but at the moment, you don't really you don't really know what you're building up to, do you? Is, is it like a really, is it a really strange feeling from like a, not a motivation point of view, but mm-hmm. just sort of you know, not knowing what the future holds? And, and and that's the weirdest thing. And we're hoping that, to be fair, Tim, that but, but by the end of it, that you come to the point where, obviously everybody can't wait to play football. Everybody can't wait for football to be back. But we realise that everything that's going on in the world and there are bigger things in the world at the minute. But we speak a lot on the group messages, all the lads together. And the biggest thing that the lads are saying at the minute is that we miss our routines. Footballers are used to having a routine and right, you get up in the morning, you have your breakfast, you you prepare right for training, you prepare right to train to then get yourself ready for a game on a weekend or a Saturday, Sunday or a Monday. And that's the biggest thing that the boys are missing. Like I said, we speak to each other most days on the group chat and we are we are missing going into Compton, we are missing Wolverhampton, we're missing each other and uh, and like a few of the lads have said there, our daily routines. So that's the biggest thing because I think the uncertainty and the speculation around everything at the minute is the hardest thing to get your head around. So it's important we try and keep our, our mind focused to, 
to say that good times hopefully are coming back at some point. I bet Nuno's going absolutely spare because he, he must, you know, he's so focused and driven. I can just see yeah. him sat, sat in his tracksuit playing football manager just to kind of pass, <laughs> pass the time. But but like, I guess I guess it's like it's also um, the kind of uh, the dressing room banter and the and the intensity and the motivation. All those things are just kind of taken away a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, well, I, I think that's like I said, that, that's the thing we miss. I think that's the thing the boys are missing as well. We we speak to each other most days on on the group chat, just say how each other are doing and obviously what the boys are up to because we speak to each other every day. But that that's the biggest thing is is missing routine, is missing getting up and and seeing the lads in the morning because we do. It might sound a bit soppy to you, but we're with them probably more than we're with our family. So you create bonds, you create spirit in between each other that that you miss when you're not together, especially for this long. So it's important, like like you said, we keep our minds focused in terms of hoping that good things are coming and good things are going to come at the end of what's happening at the minute. But it's important we do things right and, and make sure the whole world is 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 better and, and more equipped moving forward, definitely. How does it work in terms of that fitness? Because you say you go and do your running in the gym, but then do you then go to a computer and load up what you've done and send it off? Or is it being automatically monitored? How does that work? Yeah, do you know what? It, it, it's brilliant. We don't have to do anything like that. So we get given watches. So it's the same in the summer as well. I, I think we spoke to Tim about it quite a bit as well over the years where Antonio, our fitness coach, gives us watches and then a heart rate and obviously a GPS that goes in the back in, in the back of your vest when you're running. So every time, so your run is on them watches. So the watch will tell you when to go quicker, when to go slower, where to have, have your heart rate in between certain certain places. And the watch will beep whenever you're too low or too high or anything like that and then whenever you finish the session so say half an hour 40 minutes later you finished your running session you'll just save it onto the watch and then when you give your watch back all your running sessions is obviously on the watch ready for Antonio to have a look at the fitness coaches to have a look at at football and it's brilliant for us because we don't have to do too much we just have to make sure we're working hard and we're doing it right because we do know that the watch is helpful also at the same time we'll have a run but then straight after you'll have to go Obviously, you, they've obviously said about uh, taking equipment from the club there, where the boys will have to do a gym session straight after the run to, to make sure whether it's in the garden or whether the boys have turned the, the garage into a bit of a gym, which, which, which I've done here, which, which has been massive for me. So it's, uh, it's important that we do that because we know it helps. And some of them are, are booking slots in at Compton so that they can mm. go and have a run and what have you on their own. Is that something you've done or is it too much of a trek or how are you doing that? No, no for me, I've got, I've got a field, field literally directly next to my house back home. So I, I go on there. I'm OK because obviously I'm, I'm back up north now where, 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 where my family is. But the boys who are living around Compton and around Wolverhampton do get that opportunity to, to go in. So they'll message Sean Miller, one of the fitness guys at, at Wolves, and he'll book your slot in because... It's, it's obviously very strict at the minute with everything that's going on. So they only want one person there at a time. So you get an hour slot and the boys who, who are close, Doc and Pedence is doing it quite a bit, I think, and a few of the young lads there, they're going doing it. So I think it's uh, it, it's great to see them doing that as well, yeah. It's unbelievable how everything's sort of done and uh, done for you and that support network. And, you know, the, en- the only thing that Jackie gets monitored is how, how fast she's drinking her wine every evening or too slow. Or too <laughs> um, but, like, but how grateful are you for, like, like having spoken to people at the club and like what Jeff She's done and you get, yeah. you know, people like Max sending out daily emails and everything. How grateful are you for that support network? They've acted really quickly, haven't they, to put these things in place? It's amazing. Honestly, God, it's amazing. We we never imagined, I think the whole world never imagined that we'd be in a situation like this. But to have a club like we do, we, we speak about the club, and the club and the and the staff that are involved with the club all the time. They're amazing in terms of what they do and the preparation, the attention to detail that goes in, into everything for the players. And even like you mentioned there, obviously, Jeff, who's higher up doing everything that he's doing and what, what he's doing for the club at the minute. But I think the attention to detail that goes in, we, we couldn't ask for more as players. Everything is there for us. We need to make sure that we're following what they're saying because we know it works. And the good thing is we've got a fantastic group of players who want to improve and want to get better and, and want to come through this period as quickly and as safely as possible to then kick on and try and do well. So, I think it's important that we f- we listen to them as much as possible because, like I said, what they give us and how things are put to us is, is absolutely amazing. We couldn't ask for more as players. We really couldn't. You say you're struggling with the lack of routine. We've heard that from other mm. players as well. That seems to be the big thing. And also when they retire, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Not having that structure, routine, seeing the lads and what have you. You talked about WhatsApp. Um, I don't know about you, but I've got a million different WhatsApp groups for school yeah mums groups and then sort of the breakout <laughs> groups you know that the, the mums of the boys and then the best friend mums group you know all these kind of things and um, do you have like one big squad whatsapp group then there's like 20 
two of you on it or something? Or do you have your kind of little breakout groups for the sort of British and Irish lads and then your different ones? How does it work? Yeah, no, it's, it's something where with us, we've got we've got a first team WhatsApp group, which all the information gets put onto that. So that's obviously got all the staff in and all the coaches and obviously the boss and, and everybody within that group, which that's where all the schedules get put into, all the training schedules, everything that goes out goes into that group. And then we have our own Wolves players WhatsApp group as well, where obviously we speak about things and we have a chat about certain things. That's the one we're using quite quite often now in terms of speaking to each other and seeing how everybody's doing and that's the big one for us all really and that's something we're all involved in and it's good because like I said it gives us the opportunity to to stay in contact and see what people are up to and and obviously tell the boys you're missing them as well so <laughs> and you have your little um you have your little clips as well you know the ones doing the rounds you send your little funnies as well to keep yourselves entertained <laughs> yeah yeah we do yeah I don't know if I can mention them on here to be honest with you but yeah we do <laughs> And you slag off Tim when he said something really mean about one of you as well, no doubt. Never, 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 Tim. Don't listen to, was, don't listen to that. I was, was going to say, can you imagine being in a, in a big WhatsApp group with all the staff and then you just see Nuno is typing at the top? Yeah. I bet you're like, oh, you God, what's coming here? You panic, what's coming? No, well, no but you know what? We've The, the coaches have, have opened up another one for obviously this period at the minute. And it's, it's, it's obviously fitness one, stay healthy. And, and the boss is in that and he's put a few really good stuff in that at the minute just to, to give us a little boost and so the lads can see it and obviously see that hopefully the good times are coming back so that's been nice as well to be honest with you and what about the food situation because Matt Wilde was telling us last week that you're getting food delivered to your door you're getting ingredients for you to cook yourselves which has got us thinking does that mean that it's an opportunity for you to I'm literally picturing you going to your front door picking up this box taking it to the kitchen and then (laughs) do you and your wife decide between you who cooks it do you just hand it straight to her or has it got has it got everything else in it as well including toilet roll that Tim can't get hold of anywhere in staff (laughs) no I'll be honest with you I do no cooking in my house honestly I'm I'm the worst cook honestly honestly if you you can put someone who can't cook it to me I'm, I'm shocked at it. I can't do nothing so it's my wife in my house even being honest with you she's she's a great cook but that's another thing that we, we can mention about the club and how good they've been in terms of things like that to make sure we're prepared right we're, we're eating right we're doing things properly and that's just another reason of why our club's so good and our, why our staff are so good so it's important that we keep on like I said following what they're doing but, but at the same time I, I keep myself out of the kitchen because I'm not the best of cooks. <laughs> but on that box of food is it literally just your main meals and you go right that's your Monday meal that's your Tuesday meal or is it all your food shopping for the week because you know in the last week or so it's been hard for anybody to get any kind of supermarket shopping hasn't it it's been impossible nearly and you have to queue up and what have you of course yeah no we, we, we still have to go to the shops and do that I've been doing it myself with the with the gloves on the masks on and things like that so it's important that we follow that quite the balaclava quite, quite, and the balaclavas and all kinds <laughs> yeah making sure we're, we're wrapped up but no it's just, it's just your food it's just the main things that you need to, to make sure you're eating right you, you're following the program right and make sure you're eating right after training really because that's the most important important thing with with the amount of work we're doing out on obviously the field with the running and and in the gym we need to make sure we're eating right after it and with these food boxes we're we're making sure we're doing that you're absolutely um cane in the box sets as well mate i've done true detective in about three days (laughs) do you know what mate i've never i've never been big on them honestly i've never been that big on them because it's usually just football on in the house or you're doing things with the kids but obviously this moment in time now you've got to with i've just finished the uh, me and amy have just finished a stranger i don't know if you've watched that one oh we we just finished it at the weekend as well it's fantastic isn't it did you think it was a little bit it could have been a bit better ending though the rest of it brilliant no 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 spoilers at all Oh well, I was gonna, I was gonna spoil. I can't say much there, can Don't I? Spoil uh, it. I was gonna spoil it a little bit. Yeah, I was, open, I was open for something else at the end, but I, I did actually think the actual series was was really good. We followed it quite well, and it, it was good to be honest with you. I did enjoy it. Brilliant. Well, you sound just like me. This probably the only thing we've got in common. Normally, there's only time to watch football ever, ever, ever in my world. It's just football. So now, actually watching other stuff like The Stranger that's been recommended by yeah. Harlan Coben, apparently Stay by him is really good as well, just as a right, okay. tip for you. And uh, Tim just recommended on Twitter the other day, what was it, Made in America, the O.J. Simpson? Oh, the O.J. Simpson documentary. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely amazing, but it's only on iPlayer until then. Um... Tuesday night and it's nine hours so oh, <laughs> unless yeah. you've really got nothing else to do then yeah. <laughs> might not fit it so, in yeah. so if you listen to this podcast at 5am Tuesday morning when it comes out you've still got time it, it's yeah. five episodes over seven hours so just press play now and just get the kids to homeschool themselves with Joe Wicks yeah. all day and whatever um, yeah. and it'll be fine 
Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash wolves and pay the postage of £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener to the Molyneux View, you'll get two extra free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They're now the world's most popular craft Beer Discovery Club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is you can leave anytime. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award winning craft beer magazine Ferment, and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to www.beer52 com forward slash wolves to get your case free and don't forget right now listeners get two extra free beers in terms of a few other questions before we go on to we've had loads of tweets in for you i don't think we've had engagement like this about any other podcast than this one so so <laughs> oh many God. wolves fans have got so many questions for you but you can look forward to them there's some quite fun ones in there yeah um, no but um just a few questions from from tim and me a bit broader um what would you say makes nuno happy as a manager both in terms of football and also just generally i'll be honest with you i'll, I'll be honest with you it's when in terms of football it's when we compete in a game and we compete well that's a big thing he's, he, he's always big obviously we all we're all happy when we win. That, that's a that's a massive thing. When we win, is everybody's happy, not just the boss in terms of that. But I think he's happy when when we compete and we put across onto the pitch how he wants us to play. I think that's a big thing for him. And he always mentions competing and make sure we're competing in games to give us the best chance of winning. But I think when we compete, he's always happy. Even if you can get beat one nil, two one, no one's happy when you get beat. Believe me, it's it's the worst feeling in the world. But I think if you have the feeling of you've done what's being told of us and what's being asked of us and You've listened to obviously what he's tried to say, and we've gone into the game and competed, like he said. That's what up to now has, has obviously made him happy. But also, listen, it's winning, it's winning football games. That's what makes anybody happy. That's what motivates us. That's what drives us on. And winning makes anybody happy. And is there anything that's not obvious, i.e., not competing and and mm. you know not winning matches? But is there anything that's less obvious that we couldn't guess really frustrates him, or or it really winds him up, and you know not to do that with him? Do you know what? Uh, I'll say something little, which is which I noticed with the first couple of weeks that he was in. It's when when we're on the training pitch. This is it's it's a bit mad out there, and no one will really know it. But it's just us as players who know it. It's when we're out on the training pitch, and he's obviously speaking in the middle. He doesn't. It, it gets to him a little bit when your hands are on your hips because you're not ready. Do you know what I mean? So we'll so we'll say to you, listen, you're not ready. Get your hands off your hips. Make sure you're ready. So you could be in you could be in in setup in formation, and he could be in the middle of the pitch talking to you. And if someone, I, I've, I've been done for it when he first come in, where you stood on, with your hands on your hips listening, and it's kind of, take your hands off your hips, you're not ready. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that sort of thing. So that's always been something that has frustrated him in terms of being on the training pitch a little bit. And when it first come in, it shocked us a little bit. But now everybody realises that we understand what he's saying and it's something where you've got to make sure you're ready at all times to, to obviously train and play. That's going to keep you on edge, isn't it? In in training, well, honest, do, honestly, do not, honestly, <laughs> honestly, honestly, mate, you're, th- you're thinking about everything, and if you, if you take it into a career moving forward, in terms of whatever we do moving forward, you'll think about things like that because it means you're constantly thinking, you're concentrating on what he's saying, and it's a fantastic way way to be because it's been brilliant since his first come in. But you're always thinking about what he's saying because as soon as you then think to, you're slowly drifting into that casual mode of right, your hands are on your hips, you're listening to him. It's like, well, get your hands off your hips. Do you know what I mean? Make sure we're ready, and then you're back onto obviously what he's saying to you then. I'm never going to stand with my hands on my hips again. That's going to be oh, in the back of my mind. Honestly, that, that's, <laughs> we'll that's, all be doing that's it. <laughs> that's obviously something nobody really knows apart from obviously the lads on the training pitch. Yeah. And is there anything else apart from when you're competing on the pitch and, and obviously things like that? Is there anything else that he really does like that when you do something or when somebody, one of the other players has done something and he goes, I really love the way you did that. And it's maybe not something obvious. I think the group the, the group we've got and, and the bunch of lads we've got and the, the chemistry we've got, I think, Obviously, it makes a lot of people at the club quite happy because the spirit within the team is absolutely amazing. It's it's an amazing fo- football club and team to be a part of. But I think in terms of, I think when players take take onuses on themselves to to obviously implement certain things on the pitch that he wants, but maybe before the game he hasn't said. So we've obviously got players in our team who are quite experienced, John Matinho, for example, who who can grab a game by the scruff of the neck and control the tempo of a game, and he's got. He then creates the onus himself to to take certain things on himself, if you know what I mean. And I think that's a big part of having someone like that in your team. And 
I think that's something that obviously make, make, makes the boss happy as well. Something I've always wanted to ask you, and you know, I've, I've interviewed you many times, but it's just mm. never really felt like a right, appropriate moment to bring it up. But you know how in training you you, you train on your strengths and, and your shape and everything, and then you might yeah. do a bit of individual training at the end. So mm. do you practice shooting in training? No, no, never. <laughs> and if, it, and if, if, if I was going to do it, people would laugh at me. So I'd feel a bit awkward <laughs> if I'm being honest. With you. I, 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 ever since the gaff has been in, it's. I always think to myself, mate, honestly. And I heard, I heard something uh, Roy Keane said the other day. I think he was on Sky Sports News. No phoning in, and they asked him something on Sky Sports, and they said something about you wish you would have, you would have tried to score more or something like that. And he said, "Why would I do that?" He said, "We've got players in the team to to win us games and score goals." I had a certain thing. I had a certain role in our team. To, to, to do what the manager told me to do and I made sure I do it and that wasn't scoring goals and I think that's quite if I look at myself that's something with me because honest to God I'm, it's not something that bothers me as long as we're winning games we've got some fantastic players who score some fantastic goals for us so if that was my job to go and do that and the manager was saying that's what you have to do I'd try my best at getting better at it but I've got other things in the team that I need to get better at so which are more important and like I said if I went trying trying to shoot people would, uh, people would laugh at me to be honest with you <laughs> Well, it's a shame I remember you didn't have that attitude in October 2014, isn't it, Connor? Real shame when you're in a Huddersfield town shirt at Molyneux. <laughs> that, well, hey? hey? that was different, see? Well, that hey? was different because obviously the manager at the time had been a different role, so that was something I worked <laughs> on back then. Back then. Uh, I, I remember, I remember the, the 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 day you signed from Huddersfield, and obviously as a reporter, you you know you do your research. Oh, you know who's this guy? What's he good at? Go straight into YouTube. Oh, he scores screamers, this guy. He's not like Gerard. He scores screamers. You know what? That was the only one he ever scored. And I scored another one. I'll always remember it. I went at Wigan for Huddersfield. And it was a cross. And it, and it flew in the top corner. And everybody thought it was a shot. So you know one of them when you come after the game? Oh, yeah, it was a shot. <laughs> Honest to God, mate. It was the biggest cross I've ever done in my life. Connor Cody, who's not scored since against Crawley in the <laughs> League Cup. 620 days. Since he last scored for Wolves, it's Cody to step forwards. Here he comes, starts his runner. Connor Cody shots it. Connor Cody scores. Connor Cody scores. Connor Cody scores. But do you do you envisage ever having a shot again? Because it has been a long time now. And <laughs> I, I read something the other day. Isn't it been like a certain amount of hours or something? I, think, I don't think you've had one in the Premier League yet, have you? Since, have since, since wow. promotion, but no, can no, you envisage no. a, a, a scenario where it might happen? Are you going to like edge forward from the halfway line and just <laughs> just smack one I, from forty yards? No, that won't happen because I won't smack. I, I'd never smack one from forty yards. Don't get me wrong; you never know what will happen in a game. You never ever know, honestly, mate. You never know. But it's not something that I think to myself. Like, I'm going to step forward now and have a shot. My my main focus, if if I was to ever step over the halfway line, would never be to right keep running. My main focus would be to right. Try and find someone who, who can who can play and who can make things happen and give it to one of my teammates. But then make sure we're we're then organised from the back. That that's something that I've always thought. And people might think, oh, he's bored anymore, something like that. But that's just that's just me part of our team and something that the manager obviously feels our team needs and make sure I'm getting better at doing that sort of thing. So no, it's not something I ever think about, mate. <laughs> Your main focus when you cross the halfway line seems to be to make sure somebody scores, and when they do, you run forty run. yards to go and jump on top of them. What's that all about? Is is that because of your GPS tracking device? Because it makes your stats look good. <laughs> that's what we all think. No, do you know? Do you know what? Because it, it might be a reason that I, I don't. I don't obviously get forward and score that often. And when we, honestly, God, the feeling I get when we score—it doesn't matter who scores. It could be anybody. But the feeling I get when we score is just what. Is absolute elation. Honestly, I'm I'm like a supporter when it comes to to when we've scored and I see the ball. And it's, to be honest with you, it's been a bit different this year because obviously VAR doesn't help the situation. And you think about the situation a little bit more in terms of the offside. Is something happened? But I think when a goal goes in, it's it's the greatest feeling in the world. And if you can't enjoy it, then there's a serious problem, isn't there? But it's not a pre-planned thing, though. No. no, no, it's not a pre-planned thing, though. No. <laughs> no. Have, have you ever started to run? And then realise yes, that the shot has yes. hit the side netting, and you're about to stop. stop yeah, there's been there's been loads of times. There's been loads of times. There's been loads of times the last couple of years where it's happened. Where I'm on my way, especially this year where the goal's then been disallowed or or something like that. Where I'm on my way, I'm I'm actually I'm, I've ran about five <laughs> yards. It was the one against. Do you remember? I think I remember going on to a soccer AM and they were analysing Adama's goals. And then obviously the celebration because I think I was <laughs> I don't know how I was there but I was first there, and I, I think I said to someone there if this would have been disallowed for any reason I was gone I was past Ruben and Joao, <laughs> honestly I was absolutely gone it was the quickest I've ever moved because obviously it was a massive game and different things but if they disallowed that I'd look so stupid. You mentioned there about VAR which 
it's been great. Nobody's talked about it for weeks, have they really? But yeah. I'm just intrigued because I know it's been a source of frustration for you. You've entered it. It has been a source of frustration for many people. You seem to not understand why a, man, a referee can make a decision and you're talking to the referee and he doesn't know what he's given it for, it seems. During this break in proceedings of weeks, maybe months, do you think they need to be looking at what they're doing? And would you welcome maybe an approach from them if you were to discuss what they're doing and give them a, a player's perspective on what could be improved? Uh, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. We, we, we've we've had the uh, Simon Simon Morgan come in and, and and speak to us about it, and just before we uh, we obviously finished because of everything that's going on, and we've had an approach. And, and honestly, f- for me, I can't speak highly of the people enough who were involved with the referees and things like that they're, they're really really good people they are and I think for anybody this break is not just referees and officials I think for anybody we're using it to, to try and improve and try and get better and think about our own game and I think they'll be the same I think they'll be looking at it themselves and, and saying right where can we get this better where can we improve it how can we move it forward and it's the same for everybody but we've had an approach that they've been into the club they've spoke to us about it and it's something where they've took our ideas on board to then go back to, to wherever they were going and, and, and try and improve it I think they've done that with with every club in the Premier League as well, which, which which is really good. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I'm the sort of person, and I look back at it now, at the, obviously the interviews that got said after obviously the Liverpool games and, and different things, and you probably look back and go, well, you could have you changed the way you'd done things. But at the time, it's very emotional and how well we played against Liverpool and we, we were close to getting something. You, you are really emotional. But I think it's something where we're all trying to improve. I, on, honest to God, every single referee, I can't speak highly enough because I get on with all of them. I think it just comes down to them finding it tough as well as us as well because it's new for them. So I think it's important that everybody, not just officials, look to try and improve the game moving forward and and make it better for everybody, really. But what is it that's specifically frustrating you? Is it just in the heat of battle because you're thinking, I really don't know why that goal's been disallowed? And Mm. then is it a case of later that night, okay, I see they did get it right it's just so forensic and it was only by a centimetre and it wasn't the bloke who crossed the ball or scored it. It was a bloke before that. What is it specifically that's bothering you? Uh, for me, if I'm being honest with you, that, that's, the big, that's the biggest thing for me is when, obviously, I just, so if we go back to the two big ones for us this year, obviously Leicester at home with the, uh, I think it was Bolly's header where Neto gets the judge to be offside and obviously the Neto goal where I think Johnny's offside at Anfield, they're, they're the two big ones for us this year and that's the biggest thing for me, to be honest with you, is when, when we go home and people say, Oh well, they got it right. No, try, try and play in that game when you're forensically taking evidence of, to, like after the Liverpool game, for example, we spoke to the referee and we said to him, like, where was it? And he told us that it was two millimeters. For me, you cannot give a decision on two millimeters. And again, people will turn around and say, but he's offside. He's two millimeters offside. I can't tell you how frustrating it is in a game to have a goal disallowed for two millimeters. Honestly. On, honest but to God, he's not it's, two it's millimeters that. onside. He's two millimeters offside, or is it the fact that you don't believe he's necessarily two millimeters offside because you can't be sure of the exact framing and timing of it? Is that the point? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's the point. I don't know how someone can judge someone to be two millimeters offside. That, that's the point, and that, that's the thing that when you get home and you watch matches there and you see different things and you see different people say, "Well, he was offside." How can you know someone's two millimeters offside? For me, for me, a lot of the trust has gone from the linesmen and the referees, which I think they should get the trust back because they're really good at what they do, and they're in that profession and they're in that job because they are really good at what they do. The referee in the Premier League, and I think a lot of it now is being taken away from them. I think if you look at a decision now and someone's blatantly offside, it should be down to the linesman's call on the pitch. For me, and that, but if that's they are where, that's offside, where even be. if it's sort of, sort of three centimetres, four centimetres, if they actually are offside? Because you've got the technology. So are mm. you saying they should take away the technology for offside altogether and just use it for other things? Or are you saying they should have a thicker line? So you've got a large margin of error for when the ball is crossed, etc. So you've got that little cushion that you're not being so forensically mm. um, challenged like that. For, for me, it's got to be clear and obvious. For me, I don't think they should be doing lines, if I'm being honest with you, because it's it's a person on a computer drawing a line. So that And I think it, it's not like... That, for me, the line isn't always straight. I don't think they should have the lines, if I'm being totally honest with you. I think it should be clear and obvious. So I think it should be, if the players run and the players then been scored in a goal and, get, and the VAR checks it, I don't think they need lines. I think they should look at the decision and go, right, is that offside or onside? Right, is it two millimetres? Well, you can't really see two millimetres, so it's onside, it's a goal. Because I feel like we're celebrating now non-goals, which shouldn't be the case. This is football and I think it's the greatest sport in the world and we're taking away fantastic goals for two millimetres. I don't think they need the lines. I think the VAR should look at it and go, right, is it two millimetres? Well, I can't really see whether it's onside or offside, so the linesman's got it right. 
and it should be down oh, to yeah. the linesman. I finally remember what I don't miss about football now, which is to talk but, about but, VAR. But it, it, it's it, it, it's so that. hard, isn't it? It's so hard, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And, and, and I get, and I get there's, it, it won't go like that. Believe me, it won't go like that. No matter how much I want it and different people want it, it won't go like that. It's something where it'll go their own way and we've all got to get used to it and get and get better with it as soon as possible, really. But that's a new solution because I've not heard that one. I've heard the thicker lines, but they're not going to take away VAR, but you're suggesting no. that they play it back, but don't use the lines because... If they're not using them and then just looking at the screen, mm. then you're not going to get those. The ones you're not going to get them so calls. much harder to yeah. take. The ones but, that are causing but, but, the players a lot of problems and fouls yeah, because they can't they're, see what the They're the ones that they're the ones that you can't. They're, they're the ones that you struggle to take. And like I said, a lot of people will tell me that. Well, it's it's either onside or offside. I get that. Do you know what I mean? I get that. But when it's when it's against you and it's happened against you a few times, then it starts to bug you a little bit that it's two millimetres offside, it's different. It's so hard to get your head around, honestly. It's it's so, so tough. And I just, I, for me, I just don't feel like they need the lines. That's where I'm at with it. I might be wrong. I might sound a bit daft, but I just don't feel like they need the lines. But listen, it, it won't go like that. It'll go a different way and VAR will take over. And us as players and us as supporters and us as football people will have to get used to, to whatever comes in. And just looking at the Premier League and Europa League, as a whole, I mean, Wolves have been absolutely flying this season, of course, and pushing for a Champions League place potentially, which is all the more extraordinary in just the second season after promotion and doing so well, having played 15 games in the Europa League. You played away uh, at Olympiacos. What are your thoughts mm. about kind of where the season's going now? I hope it keeps on going. I'll be totally honest with you. I'm, I, I'm one of them who, who wants it to keep going. I, I want it to play to a finish. If I'm being honest with you, I want to play as many games as possible because I think for us being part of Wolves and we'll all say the same thing that we've never had a season like it it's amazing I think if people want to talk about the amount of games then it's amazing from our point of view the amount of games we've played and the way the lads and the club have conducted themselves in itself over over the season has been absolutely amazing so for me I want it to carry on and play the season out till whenever it finishes I'm not one of them who says right it needs to be finished by then I don't know what's going on with the Premier League and FA and, and, and different things, but I'm the sort of person who wants it finished and I, I, I want to do the whole thing right because we're in a good position. We've, we've had a great season up to now, but we want to make sure with however many games we have left, nine and whatever that is in the Europa League, that we make sure we finish as strong as possible. So we, we, we don't want it to finish now, honestly. And is there part of you as a Liverpool fan that's thinking they can't do this, they can't do what they've done to Wolves winning, and which is just cancel the entire season and take away all the stats? I mean, they'd be up for, yeah. wouldn't they? Oh, and I, I don't just think that. I think I think from Liverpool supporters' point of view, yes, because obviously the amount of time they've waited to to put themselves in the position they are and they deserve to be where they are because they've been that good this season. I, I think they'd be up raw with that. But also, you look at the team. We we played a lot of years in the Championship as well. What happens to obviously Leeds and obviously West Brom are in that situation at the minute, but. What happens for them two clubs now as well? So I think that there's a lot of ramifications that come with it. And if, if you do plan on finishing it now, but us as a club, and I think me in particular, I don't want that to happen. I want, I want the season to go, run its course and, and, and see how far we can go, really. Connor, in terms of the squad dynamics, a lot is made of um, how the Portuguese guys and how much English they speak and the backroom staff as well. But what I'd like to know is, do you know any Portuguese? And if so, can you teach us some? <laughs> uh, no, do you know? Do you know what? There's there's the odd word in. Do you, do you know when they the say odd, it the in odd training? Swear word. <laughs> swear word and normal words, I think as well. There's the odd word in training. What they'll say, and you, you realise that because it's something that gets said quite often. I'll be honest with you, mate. I, I couldn't teach it now. I've not been in for the last two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll struggle to teach you it now. But there's the odd word that gets said in training that you think to yourself, "Oh yeah, I know what that means," or "I know what that means." I, I can't speak Portuguese, honestly. I can't. I, I couldn't tell you where to start, and that's probably us being lazy and being honest with you because we probably should be better at it but there is the odd word that you listen to and you go oh yeah I know what that means oh, I don't know what that means but that, everybody speaks English at football honestly everybody speaks English at Compton so Nuno doesn't ever do two team talks one in Portuguese one in English no there's, some, there's sometimes with certain players who obviously are Portuguese to so say there's there's individual uh, information that needs to be said to, to a Portuguese player or a Spanish player or or whatever, or obviously Raul, who's obviously Mexican but speaks Spanish, then he'll speak obviously straight to them players in, in Portuguese or Spanish. But in terms of a general meeting, everything's in English. It's it's perfect. It's perfect how it works because I think that's the best way to, to get things across when you can speak to certain individuals in their own language to make it obviously easier and easier to listen to. You want to have seen me on some of these um, Europa trips <laughs> going to going to a different country every two weeks. I'll be saying bonjour in about eight countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fascinating to get your insight on some of the players who we don't hear quite so much of. It's great to hear so much of you, but we, we don't hear a lot from Willy Bolly, do we, as one of them? But, but <laughs> just tell us a few little nuggets about his personality. What is he like? He's honest to God, he's brilliant. He's totally different to obviously you don't you don't see much of him because I don't think he likes doing interviews. I don't think it's something that interests him, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. It's not something that he that he wants to do. I remember him doing something with uh, Johnny, Johnny Phillips, when we done, I think Wolves done a thing on on the club when the owners first come in, and Johnny tried to do something to him, or, uh, tried to get an interview with him on on the camera, and he just said, "I don't want to speak." <laughs> that's just that's just bolly all over, honestly. And when he says that, you leave him to it. It's something where his personality, in terms of what he brings to the changing room, is massive because he's a, he's a funny fella. He's he's a he, he's a fella who demands a lot from his teammates. He honestly is. He he wants everybody working as hard as he possibly can. And, and he was a miss when obviously he broke his ankle early in the season because he's such a massive part of our dressing room but I think his will to win and his will to want to do well and make sure players are doing well about him around him sorry is the biggest thing about him because he's a fantastic person he really really is We've got a few tweets for you Connor quite a lot of them actually I've had to um, I've had to copy and paste quite a few and, and uh, edit them down a little bit it was so so many questions for you um, <laughs> Josh Dale asks who or what were the main influences on you and who's taught you leadership skills? I think in terms of the influence on me growing up when I was when I was a kid was was my family and, and my daddy. He was the one who pushed me as as hard as I could possibly go. He was the one who took me everywhere, and my family were were massive on, uh, with me growing up. And they've been my massive, my big influences. And then obviously later in my career, my my family, my my wife, and my kids have been massive for me over the years. They're the influences. But I think in terms of leadership skills, it's something. I, I've always had growing up. I, I, I wouldn't call it it's something I've always spoke. I've always been a person to, to speak quite a lot. It might get on a few people's nerves now and again, but I've always been someone to, to speak quite a lot and try and help my teammates because I think if I'm, if I'm helping people, then I'm doing something right. So that's something I've always grew up with. I've always tried to look at certain people over the years, captains, and obviously growing up watching Steven Gerrard and trying to learn off him. But another one was, was obviously John Terry at Chelsea. I used to try and look at how he played and how he played the game and organised the game and, and led. That was an, a, a big person that I always looked up to. So I think in terms of people like that, when I was growing up as a kid, making sure I was watching them and improving off them as much as possible, really. Anyone who saw this video the other day will, will know what this is about, although a lot of people perhaps won't. But um, okay. Matty, Brit Matty Britnell echoed something which I thought was, um, what do you think about Roman Sace calling you Mr Bean? Mr <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? He does it all the time. I don't know why. He calls me Mr. Bean all the time. I think it's because like, I'm quite gangly. Do you know what I mean? I'm quite tall. But he calls me Mr. Bean all the time. Honestly, I don't know why. But was that in the, was that in the uh, weird thing, weren't it? Yeah, he had like one, one word answers for. Yeah, I seen yeah. it. Yeah, but honestly, he came across as a bit of a character. <laughs> honestly, that's that's a man all over. Honestly, he's like that every day in training. He's he's bubbly. His personality is fantastic, and he calls me all the time. And at first, I was like, "Why is he calling me that?" And when he first come in, I was like, "What's up with him?" And then it just stuck. And he calls me all the time, so it's all I get on with it. No problem. It's fine. It's definitely not the voice or the accent. That's for sure. It must be something. Else. <laughs> but who are the yeah. personalities? Who, who are the funny lads? Who who are the ones that that really make everybody laugh? Uh, Doc, Doc's fantastic Doc, Doc's brilliant around the lads and you, and you might not think that because he's quite quiet off the pitch and, and obviously doing interviews and different things but he's a very confident lad he's he's brilliant around the place and he's funny with what he does he's got a really dry sense of humour honestly he has and it's something where his personality within the change room is massive for everybody he's, he, he's fantastic with people I mentioned Bolly in terms of his character and what he brings and how he tries to improve but honestly I've never met a person like obviously Joao Martino he's a 33 year old kid Honestly, even now he's sending us, he's putting videos in the group chat. Honestly, this is nowhere to lie. Videos in the group chat of chat. He must play football all day in the garden back home because he's sending us videos of him just doing skills in the garden that none of us can do. Only Jean Martino can do. It's mad, honestly. I've never known, I've never known a person like him in my life, but what a player and what a, what a person he is. He's brilliant. I hope he's got a big garden so we can practice his free kicks. And I can imagine he's got a big garden with the career he's had, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. I can imagine he's got a big garden. But uh, yeah, honestly, he's putting balls in bins. He's he done one the other day where he's flicking a ball into a trampoline and he's celebrating like he's just like he just scored. <laughs> he's, uh, he's brilliant. He is really good. Uh, Tyler asks, who's the most annoying player at Wolves? Doc, by a country mile. <laughs> By a country, country. He'll probably say me as well, but it's Doc by a country mile. Like I said, his, his personality and his humour is, is something that not many people have like him because, like I said, he's quite dry sense of humour. But in, in terms of annoying, he's, he's Doc, yeah, because some of the things he says just, just annoy you. Do you know what I mean? I can't mention some of the things he says now, but they just annoy you, honestly. So Doc, yeah. 
Is he your best mate at Wolves or one of them? Who are you closest to? I think in terms of with the amount with the amount of years me and him have been there now, we've been there for a few years. He's obviously been there a little bit longer than me, but I think we've spent spent a few years together, obviously playing in the championship when when things weren't going well. So I think obviously what the club's been doing over the last couple of years and and how well the club's done, we we look at each other and think, wow, we're privileged to be in the position we are because where we were a few years ago was was chalk and cheese. So we understand that we've been through quite a lot with the club. So I'm I'm quite close to him, but I think in terms of everybody, I've never been I've never been involved with with a club and in terms of a squad of how close it actually is and to have so many different nationalities and languages within the change room and, and be so close and as close as what we are is, is absolutely amazing it really really is we had um, a question from Jason Gar, which I think a lot of people will be interested to hear which mm. is are your kids fully fledged wolf supporters fully fledged as far as you can go honestly no way honest. what not, yeah. not even half and half no, honest. No, honest. Of course, the wolves. It's 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 something where that was that was always going to be the case. All they've ever known is is the dad playing for wolves. I'm I, I'm privileged to be playing for such a fantastic club every single day, and and going into training and playing playing for wolves. And they know what it's like to come to Molyneux. They ask every weekend if they can come, even the away games, and they're gutted when they can't come. So the massive wolves fans, massive. And sometimes they they come and just don't watch the game. They go down and sit in the lounge and play with the toys. But they just love being part of part of Molyneux and part of Wolves and putting the kit on. So oh, they're massive wolves fans, yeah, massive. Do they love Liverpool as well, though? Be honest. Honestly, it's it's not something I, I obviously watch Liverpool in the house, but they don't know too much about Liverpool because all they know is the dad playing for Wolves, and it's something where they don't know too much about it. I watch it in the house, and I obviously follow Liverpool when they're on. But that's the same with every game. That's just the same with being in my household. There's football always on the telly, so it doesn't matter whether it's Liverpool or Chelsea or Arsenal or whoever. It's always football, so they all all they know is their their dad playing for Wolves, and that's all that's all they know. Okay, quick one from Daniel Dober. Did you ever consider leaving during the Lambert or Zenga era? Never, no, never. It's I, I, I always realised the club I was part of. It was a fantastic club. Other people might have wanted me to leave <laughs> at some point, uh, but I think for me, I, I knew I was part of such a fantastic club, and I knew at some point that the club would obviously start going up again because it had to. That that's the sort of club it is. It's it's a huge football club, and people speak of sleeping giants and all these sorts of things. But it's a massive football club, and I knew from the first day I went there how big it actually was. So I've never looked at it and gone, oh, I want to do this. I wanted to leave. I wanted to. Be, I wanted to improve, and if that was helping Wolves improve, that was my main goal, and that was what I wanted to do. So it was never wanting to leave. No, Mikey, um, Mikey Burrows, who many people know as a <laughs> yeah. commentator, has tweeted uh, to <laughs> ask, what, what, well, he wants to know what your favourite series of Love Island is, and who's your favourite oh, character. Oh, <laughs> meaning text at Love Island. Honestly, me and him <laughs> drop each other messages when Love Island's on. What a program. Uh, I, th- I, like, I, I like this one the, when you're in South Africa, to be honest with you. So this one was quite good. I enjoyed this one. But favorite, I'm not telling you favourite character. I look, look like softy then, don't I? So, no. Mate, you, 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 could give, you could give me any name and I wouldn't know who to give <laughs> You wouldn't, I've, no. I've, Mikey no, does, I've never got into it. Mikey knows, though. He's like a big fan, a super fan of it. Stupid. WWFC Dave asked, what's been the single best moment in your Wolves career? Uh, for me... Was was getting promoted, but I think scored, that goal I scored at Bolton was fantastic. <laughs> the, the whole day, honestly, the whole day I'll remember it from from start to finish. I think to win four 0 and then be cap champions was amazing. But I think to score and I remember getting the nod off the manager to obviously go up and the feeling you get running up for it was in front of the Wolves supporters was was immense. So that Bolton game was was absolutely incredible. Paul Mansell, we love hearing from you after games, but do you ever wish some of the other players would give you a break? I'm convinced Tim wrote this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think. No, because I, honestly, I quite enjoy doing it. After after games, I, I think I look back at some of them and I go to myself, "Oh, I wish I would have actually thought about something there." Or like like the Liverpool game after the Liverpool game, I wish I would have just got my emotion in check a little bit because that game we, we were so close to getting something against the top team. I, I always think to myself, "I wish I would have done something different." But in terms of letting other lads have, and I go, "Lads are lads know that they can do it, but they know that." If they don't want to, I'll always do it for them because it's something I don't mind doing. I quite enjoy speaking and, and talking about football. I think if you can talk about football, it's it's not a bad thing, really. Do you um do you regret that Liverpool one because of the screenshot of you on TV afterwards where you look absolutely kind of incandescently raised? Do you know the one I mean? Which one? I think, I oh, think no, it was after oh, yeah. Liverpool. No, a... no, I do because my brother always messages it, puts it in the group chat as a gift. <laughs> yeah, so 
so I do. Oh yeah, I think. But but I look back on some of them, mate. Honestly, and it's it's. I think to myself, oh, I wish I would have done that a little bit better and that a little bit better. But listen, it's it's been and gone, and it's something where I think emotions sometimes, especially in football, takes you away from things, and that certainly did that day. Yeah, I know this is many years away, but I, your appearance on Monday Night Football probably got a lot of people thinking if you were considering some kind of career in the media once once your once your career's over. I know it's a long time away, mm. but do you think about what you'd want to do when you retire? It, 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 I, I think you've got to. I think it's something that, you, that you've got to look at and you, you've got to plan for things obviously ahead. It's not something I'm looking at going now saying I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. I think it's, I enjoy speaking about football honestly. It's it's such an amazing sport. I think it brings a smile to a lot of people's faces in the world and I'm one of them people. So I enjoy talking about it. I love that that opportunity to go on. I, I was thankful to get that opportunity to go on and experience obviously what Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville does quite often, Dave Jones who's, who, who was brilliant with me as well. And It's not something that I think about of, right, I want to do this. I'd love to have a few options in terms of moving forward, but it is something I enjoy doing, speaking about football. So I did enjoy that night, definitely. And a question from Aid, who says, hi, guys, uh, can you get his honest thoughts? He he says mm. honest in capital letters. I No party <laughs> line, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On, okay. <laughs> On being overlooked for England so far, ahead of players like Mings, uh, he must have ambitions to play for them. Ben Bradley asks a similar question. If I'm being, I think everybody has ambitions. Everybody has ambitions in life. I think not just in football, any walk of life, you have ambitions. I think to play for England is. I've said it plenty of times before. Is the pinnacle of any Englishman's career. I love watching England. I follow them every time they've got a game and every time there's a tournament. I follow them. Do I think am I done by getting getting overlooked or whatever it is? No, not at all. Because I'm privileged enough to be playing for a fantastic club like Wolves. Honestly, it's it's not something I look on and and put me focus onto. Because I think if I do then when times come around like that, I'll be disappointed. So honestly, it's not something to think about. I really don't. It's an ambition to ever do because it's the pinnacle of any Englishman's career. But do I think about it? Not really because I've got such a, I'm in such a privileged and honoured position to be playing for Wolverhampton Wanderers that I don't need to think about anything else because I love doing what I do. So no, I don't think about it. But would it be amazing? Of, of course it would. It'd be absolutely phenomenal. But because when I spoke to Gareth Southgate about it, he and I asked him about was it because of the three at the back thing, and that's not how he was playing at the time, and he admitted it was. And I said, "Is that something you've told Connor?" And he says, "No," um, kind of thinking, "Oh, maybe I should type thing." But obviously, he's got a lot of English players, probably yeah. not enough to communicate with. So you're not, he hasn't spoken to you personally about it at all. No, not at all. And, and I wouldn't expect anything like that. Honestly, it's it's up to me to to keep on trying to help the club that I'm involved in, and, and that's Wolves. It's I, I love being part of it. I love doing it, and that's all I focus about. I, I wouldn't expect anything off from obviously the national team manager. That's not something I would expect moving forward. And it's something where I just want to keep on playing well as as long as I can and whenever it, whenever it starts again. Yeah, and when they start playing three at the back, then things might be a little bit different. But just very <laughs> yeah. finely, because we are so grateful to you for coming on and spending all this time with us. So sorry we've gone on it's a bit okay. longer than we were supposed to. It's okay, no problem. I've enjoyed it, yeah. We've had uh, loads of tweets along these lines. Stu Owen, I think, speaks for a lot of Wolves fans. Just thank him for being the best ambassador for our great club. How he conducts himself <sighs> off the pitch is fantastic. And Carlos oh, Thank Morales, you very much. Carlos Morales, who must be from Whitmarines, I'm sure. My skipper, he says in capitals, I'd run through a wall for the bloke. Are you aware of that kind of adoration from Wolves fans in terms of your your status as a leader? Because you are so much more than just a good player, a centre-half and a captain on the pitch. Uh, do you know what? It, it, it's an it's an honour to play for them. It really, really is. I think all the all the lads will tell you the same thing. I think the whole team feels adulation from the Wolves supporters because for me, they're the best supporters around. They really, really are. I think what they do for you on a game day, but but every walk of life, away games, when you see them around Wolverhampton, everywhere. I see I see them on I see them on holiday. I see them wherever I go, and I think in in terms of uh, what they what they give us and how they how they help us moving forward is massive and. That's something that we'll always be appreciative on, no matter how long we play for Wolverhampton Wanderers. It really is. Connor, you've been brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the Molyneux View podcast. Um, I mean, you must have listened to it every single week, so I'm sure it's a dream come true for you to have, uh, to have come on to speak <laughs> Thank to Thank you Tim for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I speak to Tim all the time. So <laughs> Yeah, he's bored of talking to me. <laughs> I speak to Tim all the time, so it's all right. Cheers, Connor. Tim, brilliant to hear from the Wolves captain and leader there. Somebody that I'm sure every football fan would love to have us at their club, and particularly as a skipper. Um, just the way he unites everybody, and he spoke so well. What did you think? Yeah, he, he does. He's just such like a, a positive and a, an endearing presence around the place, really. And I, th- I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that he'll, he'll he's got the potential to kind of achieve legendary status at the club. You know, if, if he hasn't already, I think he's certainly well on his way and. 
if Wolves end up winning something, <clears throat> he'll be kind of held in the same regard as like Mike Bailey and maybe even Billy Wright in terms of like proper legendary Wolves captains. And the fact he's such a, a wonderful ambassador for the club off the field as well. And and as people, you know, as people might be able to guess, he is he is genuinely that nice. You know, he's not putting it on. And you know, we've had him on for quite a while there, and you you can really get a sense of um of the kind of man he is. And everyone should be should be very proud that he's that he's at their club. Yeah, very much so. Now, this is turning into something of a captain's special for Wolverhampton Wanderers this week on the Molly New View podcast, because I'm delighted to say that we have the Wolves women captain joining us now, Anna Price. Hi, Anna. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Tim. I'm so sorry that we're not speaking in better circumstances, because we should really be talking to you on the the basis that you're 14 wins out of 15, that you're plus 73 goal difference in your league and on the brink of promotion. But instead, we're talking to you after the, frankly, extraordinary news that you and the other women's clubs from tiers three down to seven have had your seasons ended, null and voided, with all the stats expunged. I mean, I can imagine your reaction, but just tell us how you found out the news, first of all. It's been absolutely heartbreaking, to be honest. Um, Thursday afternoon, early afternoon, I had a phone call from um, our manager, Dan McNamara, Obviously, breaking the news before it had gone gone live on social media and the internet. Um, obviously, he was as heartbroken as any of us, and just telling telling myself what you know, what the what the um, FA had decided to do, and you know, after the last nine months, the last two and a half years since Dan's been in charge, you know, we've we've been working so hard um, to to get back. Um, back into tier three um, after going down um, the season before last and you know it was just the news that none of us expected really Um, obviously with everything going on it's you know the bigger picture with the pandemic etc we're well aware of you know the safety of of everyone at the moment the, the priority but it just made it was still absolutely gutting to hear that the last nine months of this season is just going to be cast aside, and we've got to just go again. I've seen um, I've seen quite a few tweets from some of your teammates, Anna, and obviously some understandably very emotional and, and devastated people out there. And I'd imagine you must have been in a lot of contact with with your teammates over, over the last few days. What's what what have you all been saying to each other? Yeah, we've obviously been facetiming each other, and you know we've got apps that we're all keeping in touch and. Just can't believe it, really, that the decision's being made. You know, now we, you know, we've spoke about as as teammates. Could it have waited and seen if there's any any way around it? Could we have played the games? You know, later on in this season, maybe potentially going into next and then go from there. Or, you know, just it's 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 been horrible for all of us, really. Everything that's that we've done the last. This last season is 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 just not not going to be worth anything, and it's um, it's been really disappointing. What about the support levels you've had from the club? Because that's really ratcheted up a few notches, hasn't it, in the last year or so? Yeah, you know they've been fantastic. The club have since Foson have come in, and um, we've seen massive changes as as, as a team, as a squad, um, as staff, volunteers. Um, you know, firstly. The big one this season was training down at the um, Sir Jack Haywards um, twice a week, um, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, um, seven till ten. Both of those, um, we've got, we've been getting a, a free gym membership through Wolverhampton Swimming and Fitness, which you know is great. So we've been using that on a Friday night, and then you know match day, we're we're able to meet ten o'clock on a match day. We don't kick off till two, and, and all food supplied for us all funded through the club um, and also games that are you know further away so like Doncaster Bells a couple of weeks ago we went overnight so we left Saturday late afternoon we ate as a team together all paid for by the club and then obviously hotel breakfast all included and um, to make sure that we're in you know the best um, the best shape for the next the next day and, 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 and the game to you know so you know we, we can't fault the club they've been fantastic they've given us everything this season um to really put us in the best stead to get promoted and you know it's been great and it's great to be a part of it's just a shame that we haven't been able to 
kind of return the favour with get, getting into tier three, which was the aim aim of the season. What about the um? What about the implications going forward? I appreciate this might be a difficult question to answer at the moment, but how difficult will it be when the season starts again? Which, of course, we don't know when that'll be. But how difficult will it be to kind of start again with you know the same group of players and, and try and replicate what you've done just now, but over next season? Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, I think I'd be lying to say it's just you know everyone's going to be you know all rosy. Yeah, let's go again and do it again. Um, you know we've got a lot of very good players that have stepped down to play in Tier 4 in the ambition that we'd get promoted this season and they'll be playing at Tier 3 and eventually pushing on potentially to Championship and Super League, some of the younger girls. So, you know, realistically, people are going to have to have a think about next season. It is going to have, you know, an impact. Um, I'd like to think and I'd love to say that we'll all stick together and we'll we'll do it again for the club next season. Um but I think you've got to be realistic. We've got girls that are in the England setup. We've got girls that, like I said, have dropped down, um, you know, for, for one season potentially and um, wanting to play at the highest level possible, which you can't knock anyone for wanting to do. So, yeah, I think the next few weeks or well, a few months, like you say, who knows when the season will start. There'll be a lot of conversations, a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of thinking to be done, really, and and hopefully, we'll all stick together and and go for it again next season. Yeah, I know that's out of my control and out of everyone's control, really. People will do what they what they feel is best for them. And devastating for Jade Cross as well. He scored thirty five goals, thirty five goals with the season not yet finished, and having those completely wiped off a record. I just can't imagine how heartbreaking that must be. But I guess now that the club is, is supporting you so much more, is is that I mean, a bit of a silver lining, I guess, to something that is so negative, knowing that you do have that support from the club to be able to kick on again? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, we're very lucky. You know, we're playing in Tier 4 at the moment, but the support we're getting, um, it competes with what's happening in, in Championship which is two two leagues above us, you know, even Super League in some cases, the standard of the facilities that we're training in, um, the staff, the dedication the staff are giving um, to us as players, you know, we, we're three times a week, we're training, we've all got full-time jobs, um, you know, going giving up our weekends, especially if it's an overnight stay. So it's, you know, at times it's been five times a week that, we're, that we've been putting into this. So, you know, we know that, We'll continue to have that support from from the club, which is fantastic. Where you know other clubs might not have that, who are in similar circumstances to us. You know, sponsors might pull out, etc. So, you know, we are lucky in that regards that you know we will have the chance to to do it again next season. Um, but it just it's just really disappointing. Um, but in regards to Jay Cross, you know, she got the golden boot last year for the league, and she will be. She'll be mortified, you know, that those goals have haven't, you know, got it again. But you know, I know Jade well, and her main concern will be that, you know, at the moment we we haven't been able to do our our main job, which was to get promoted. So she'll be as gutted about that, to be honest. Okay, well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the Molly New View podcast. We do appreciate it, and we wish you all the best as your sort of ongoing work as a PE teacher and yeah, dipping in and you. out of your school and uh, not a preparing for next season, whenever that may be. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. Easy to forget that that the players who've done so well for Wolves Women are working full time and have and have put in those extra hours training and and um, practising and everything they can on the side in addition to that and all of that coming to nothing. I mean, we've given a few few updates in the past few weeks as to their um, unstoppable progress to promotion. So to have that taken away is absolutely devastating for everybody involved. And you can only imagine the reaction if this was at a higher level, you know, in the men's or women's game to just cancel the season. It's unthinkable. But, you know, we've had Connor saying earlier and, and everybody's saying it, you can't not give Liverpool the title. That's every, Everybody's very clear on that. And yet in, uh, here at this level of football, it's been decided, well, you know, you can't you can't let Wolves win promotion. You know, Wolves didn't win the title this year. So it seems very unfair. I don't understand enough about it, to be honest, behind the um, logistics of that decision as to why they've decided that. 
but it seems extremely unfair, especially since as they're so far ahead in the table. Streets ahead of everyone else. I think they've pretty much scored double everyone else's goals. So um, I think there's, and there's another serious point about their, about their future, as, as Anna was kind of saying there, is, is to keep this group of um, players together for next season is going to be very, very difficult. So there's not much you can say that's positive about that situation at all. No, very, very frustrating, but um, we wish them all the very best. Well, we say thank you to both our Wolves captains who've joined us today, Connor Cody and Anna Price. Great to have them on. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of reaction to Connor's thoughts, especially bearing in mind we had so much reaction in advance of the podcast. Um, And to read further articles from Tim, no doubt doing one on Connor, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, there'll be some kind of write-up. And um, a couple of things in the last week that people might be interested to read. I've been waiting years to write this, Jackie. A piece on Wolves' backroom team, as in Nuno's, um, Nuno's assistants and backroom coaches and fitness staff. His his magnificent seven, as it was coined coined in the Athletic last week. Been waiting a long time to write that. Finally had the time to give a hopefully a, a real insight into what they do and who they are and what they're good at. And then I had the pleasure of speaking to Phil Hayward on um, at the end of last week. He's moved to LA Galaxy. Spent eleven years at Wolves as physio. Lovely guy. Got some really interesting stories. And uh, yeah, that went on The Athletic on uh, Monday morning. So have a read. Brilliant. Really good article. Yeah, it's uh, living the dream, isn't he, over in LA, or he was, until football was paused. But we're not pausing. We're back every week. And if you want to read Tim's articles, and uh, I suggest you do, he's, he's got some really good in-depth uh, interviews that he's had. And he's going to be writing up more about Connor Cody that you won't have heard on this podcast as well. 40% discount using the code Wolves pod so we'll be back next week we're going to complete our series of looking back over the decades we're going to have the 2010s so do tell us what your favorite match was from that decade and we will see you on the molly new view next tuesday morning at five o'clock bye for now